Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team the pitch a swing and a drive deep left field welcome to the countdown to opening day show presented by amron that ball's hit hard and deep to left field backing to the track to the wall and it's gone it's a grand slam now matt Pauley, mike claiborne and the countdown to opening day show presented by amron and right picks out the sign the pitch is swung on a miss throw to second base strike him out throw him out double on the Cardinals Radio Network. It is that time once again, countdown to opening day across the Cardinals Radio Network alongside Cardinals broadcaster Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being uh, tuned in. Claibs, uh, we are getting closer and closer. You continue to be down in uh, Florida, and I know we were talking earlier. Seems like a lot of people down in Jupiter right now. There, there's certainly a lot of people here, Matt, and this will be our last show before we see you next Wednesday. Um, yeah, a lot of people here. If we had to start spring training today, it'd be okay because just about everybody here. They're even painting the uh, foul poles. Okay. And if you've ever seen somebody try and paint a foul pole, it's uh, quite an interesting item because you have to have more than a ladder. So uh, that just shows you how close they are to being ready. Uh, you know, they cut the grass here virtually every day. The fields are well manicured, much like a golf course. Uh, players are throwing. But guys are in the cage. Um, you know, everybody, like I said, is falling in the door. And, and this year, because of uh, the World Baseball Classic, uh, some guys came in a little earlier to get some work in. I was talking to Tommy Edmond yesterday about his journey to go to South Korea, where it's going to take 12 hours from San Francisco. Hmm. Now, think about it. He's got to go from Florida to San Francisco and then leave there, go north through the Aleutian Islands, and then come down south to uh, South Korea. Uh, quite an experience for him. And um, by the time he gets back, it'll be interesting to see what kind of shape his body is in. They, they may have to give him a couple of days off. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. Uh, I was at Bush Stadium earlier today, and there, there was a lot of work going on. Claims, I, I don't know how to describe what I'm about to say to you, but I can tell you, just all my years of working in minor league baseball, I can tell you there's there's a smell that when it's when it's still a little bit cold outside, when you're still a ways out from the start of the season, but work is going on at the ballpark, there's a really distinct smell that goes along with it. And I, I walked out of the garage today, and I was walking by Bush Stadium, and I smelled that smell, and I have not smelled that since I was working in minor league baseball, and it just gave me this sense of, man, things are getting close. Yeah, we're getting close. You know, it's a smell of paint, 
uh, cleaning solution and, and just the sound of work being done, tidying up, dusting a little bit. And they'll do it again before opening day because we got a little ways to go before that. And uh, just putting things in position, you know, uncovering things that have been covered all winter. And it, it's uh, a fun thing. And the same thing's going on down here. Uh, I failed to mention that the trucks arrived uh, late yesterday and they're unpacking the trucks. Uh, and they'll have spring training set up and ready to go by tomorrow, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There is a certain smell in the air at this time of the year, almost like, you know, how people say I can smell the rain in the air. Yeah, it, it's a similar distinction that um, if you know what we're talking about, as far as being around a ballpark, uh, it, it really does stand out. You, you are spot on on that. It was it, it brought me like a level of peace as I as I had it today. I don't know if that makes any sense or makes me weird, but I, I just I really enjoyed it. The only thing that was missing is the smell of the food being made, yep. uh, whether it's the popcorn or some of the cheeseburgers and stuff like that. That's the only thing you'll be missing, and, and it won't be long before we'll have that aroma in the air. No, absolutely. Uh, the Cardinals do make a small move. They have announced that they have acquired left-handed reliever uh, Anthony Masevich from the Kansas City Royals in exchange for cash considerations. Uh, last year, he spent time between uh, Seattle and Kansas City. He pitches a lot. That's one of the things he's most known for. He's one of those rubber-arm type guys who's going to be able to go out there time and time again. He's a lefty, so that's something that's, uh, that's good as well. And uh, you've talked about it a lot. I, I can't count how many times you've mentioned on this show that if there's an area of concern for you, it's the bullpen. Well, they're bringing in a guy who uh, has a lot of big league time, and now he'll compete for a job in the pen. Well, I think we need big league time guys in the bullpen. Um, I, I thought if there was one concern going into postseason, be it short, uh, we just didn't have a lot of experience in the bullpen. And as you know, the season is a long one, and there's going to be a lot of arms that are going to be needed. But I think that when you have guys who can pitch every day and give you multiple innings, uh, those guys are going to be more valuable. Uh, I think especially if you're a lefty and you don't necessarily throw hard because that means you don't need as much time to load up between pitches. So I'm anxious to see what he looks like. So with that said, James Nail was designated. And I'm not sure if that's that means he's going to be totally released. Now, being designated for assignment, yeah, he's off the 40-man roster. But he can still be a non-roster invitee to spring training. And I would think once he clears waivers, if he clears waivers, that the Cardinals would probably extend him an invitation to uh, spring training in Jupiter. Yeah, I'd gotten to know him a little bit on the Cardinals caravan, and he's such a good story because he's yeah, a guy he who's from close to Cape Girardeau and uh, what he's done and the work that he's put in to, to get to the big leagues. Uh, again, we don't know what goes through the Cardinals' minds on any things, but y- y- you feel like that if they want to uh, uh, give him a minor league assignment and allow him to come in, that's something that he would take the uh, take the opportunity to uh, to do. Yeah, and, and you know the other thing they had the Royals had to make room for Zach Granke on their forty man roster. So you know we'll we'll see what happens. But again, another major league guy with experience, be it short experience, uh, will be in the Cardinals training camp. And you know I was talking to someone the other day about the pitching, and we had at least eleven guys make a start last year. Eleven guys make a start for the Cardinals. And when you think about that big league experience, that that's going to create even more competition. And it seems like I say it every year, Matt, we're going to have a good player that won't make this team, Mm -hmm. and Memphis should be really good. And then come July, I'm the first guy to say, man, we need more pitching. (laughs) So I I don't know what's going to happen this year. I'm sure we'll need more pitching because the game is about to change. The game is about to change. Uh, I I think this pitch clock and all the other things that come with it are going to be difference makers, and some players will not be able to adapt 
And I think you're going to see some people moving around quite a bit. So if you're a minor league guy who knows how to pitch quick and throw strikes, your chances of, of being on this roster certainly are enhanced right now. The big question for me, you're right about the pitch clock, but with the lack of a shift, <clears throat> I am really curious to see how that's going to impact ground yeah. ball pitchers who do not always have guys behind them where, where the ball's being hit. Great point. Um, you know, maybe – Swing and miss guys are more important now. Yeah. Now, what is a swing and miss guy? Is that that guy who's throwing 98? Well, if, if you're going to pitch and you have 14 seconds between pitches, I don't know if a guy can muster up that sort of velocity that often. But, you know, a swing and miss guy is now back in play. Uh, but fortunately for the Cardinals defensively, they're really good if you hit it in their area. And I think that's what the Cardinals will rely on more than anything else. And, Clay, soft contact is always going to play in the big leagues. Yes, there's no doubt about it. So uh, strategy will be different, and I'm anxious to talk to Oliver Marmel about it. We talked a little bit during the offseason, and he had some ideas. I don't think you want to overthink this too much. You still have to play the game. The game is changing, but it's changing back to more of a traditional form that we were all accustomed to before somebody thought it was a good idea to implement the shift. I was on a conference call yesterday leading into the WBC, and Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and Adam Wainwright were on it. And somebody asked them about if they were happy that the new rules were not going to be in place for the WBC, and they really were. And I, I had never even thought about that, but all three of those guys basically said that it's going to take a little bit of time to get used to those rules, and they're glad that that's not going to be thrown at them in the middle of the WBC. Now, I don't know how many of those teams well, are going to be using the overshift, but it, it does seem to matter to them. Yeah, but, you know, I, I would look at it the other way. I, I'd rather try and get a look at it with before I get into spring training. If I get some bats and some games in the field where the shift isn't on, I think that gives you a better way to be prepared for when it does go into play. And while I know it's going to take some time for people to adjust to it, I think every bat or every ground ball I can take before the shift, I think, is is uh, is a plus. So, But then again, those guys make a whole lot more money at this than I do. And they've been doing it as a living, so they may know a little bit more than me. But just from where I sit, I would think they'd look at it the other way. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. We've got a lot coming up on the program today. Uh, Cardinals broadcaster John Rooney is going to be with us. Craig Mish, who uh, covers Major League Baseball out of the Miami market, will uh, be with us. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Jordan Walker. We'll hear from Daniel Guerrero as well. A lot coming up. It's Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. I'm Cardinals outfielder Jordan Walker, and you're listening to the voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show alongside of Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Treat your Valentine to dinner and a game with the Cardinals. All-inclusive tickets starting as low as $59. All-inclusive tickets feature premium seats, a full buffet, and complimentary bar service. For complete offer details, visit cardinals.com slash valentines. Well, he is the top prospect in the Cardinals organization, number four prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB Pipeline, and he is going to be competing for a big league job this year in spring training. He is Jordan Walker, and he joins us right now on the program. Jordan, thanks so much for your time. How are you? Thank you all for having me. I'm great. I'm great. Feeling good right now. Well, Jordan, you had a busy 2022 moving up in the minor leagues at different levels, playing in all-star games, finding yourself in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, first of all, what did you take away from last year as far as your growth is concerned? And secondly, did you ever find some time where you could just have some time to wind down for yourself? Uh, yeah, man. Um, let me answer the first one first. Yeah, uh, the growth of myself a lot. I found I think a lot in the outfield, man. Um, 
haven't really played a lot of outfit in my life. Uh, so that, that switch to the outfit was definitely tough. But, you know, I had good people around me. Um, I had a good coaching staff in Double A. I had really good players around me in Double A. Uh, just from for some examples, uh, Mike Antico, Justin Turner, Chase Pender, man, they all helped me out with that transition. So that growth, I feel like in the outfield, was probably my biggest. But yeah, man, honestly, during the season, there's not a lot of time to wind down. But um, me and my boy uh, Mason Wynn, we would uh, after every game go back, uh, go back to the the apartment. We would play some 2K. Um, that's our that was our favorite video game at the time. So, yeah, that was really the way I wanted down, you know, got away from baseball a little bit was, uh, you know, play video games in a big, you know, game on the PS5. So, we used to play yeah, a whole lot of Tuesday. I guess you – that's right. You're too young to go out drinking with the boys. So, I guess you, I guess you do have to stay <laughs> yeah, in the room a little bit. Sure. That's right. For sure. For sure. You talked about that transition to the outfield, and you you made it sound like it was a challenge – but the results of it were you were out there and you looked like a natural outfitter almost immediately. Take take me through that work and what it took for you to look as natural as you did out there. Well, I, I appreciate you you saying that, but definitely I guess it was not nearly as easy as it maybe have looked. Um, like the the routes um, are tough, man, and just just getting the aspect of the outfield is all tough. But um, you know. First game in the outfield was in Corpus Christi, and uh, they had our, our hitting coach took me out there um, to get some reps out there. Um, you know, just you know, reading the wind, um, going through game-like situations. So to be honest, it's it's like learning a whole new position, and I've been playing infield for my whole life. So definitely a, a change of direction there. But it, it's been fun. I think that's really what I take away from it. All it's been has been a lot of fun. Um, I kind of like the outfield. I like running around out there trying to throw people out. So. That's definitely my style. You know, it's been a lot of fun out there. And, you know, having good people around to teach you also helps a lot as well. With each level that you ascended, you obviously saw better pitching. Uh, Give me your thoughts on what you're seeing today and what teams were trying to do to you and what kind of adjustments were you able to make? Oh, man, the pitching has been phenomenal. Um, Every level, the pitching just gets better and better. And these guys are really talented. Everybody throws 95-plus. Everybody has a plus, you know, off-speed. So, um, honestly, they've been really attacking me, you know, off speed away, um, and off and like like uh, no sliders away and off speed down and in, um, and then every once in a while mixing a fastball to get me off that off speed timing as well. So you know it's really you know tricky how they pitch guys, and every team is different on what they want to do with you. So you know just trying to figure that out is uh, really tough. But I mean, I guess what I what I said earlier um, with their plan, that's really how they try to pitch me you know, the whole year. Now, I'm not going to give you, you guys any secrets on, on what I like to look for. Um, I don't want it to be out there. But, uh, yeah, that's really what their, their game plan was against me uh, so far that I've seen hey, in double A. Hey, Jordan, when you put it in play, we'll know what that's what you were looking for. So don't worry <laughs> about that, man. Hey, hey, you know, the other thing about that is it, it always seems like teams try and pitch guys away because they figure if he can't pull it, he can't hit it out of the ballpark. But you're not necessarily that, that power guy where you're going to hit 50 home runs, you are a guy that seems like you can use all fields from what I've been able to see. But you put it in play, and you put it in play hard, which is just as good as anything, I would assume. I appreciate that. For sure, for sure. Jordan Walker continuing to uh, join us here uh, on Countdown to Opening Day. From the moment the season ended last year, the Cardinals have said that you're going to have every opportunity to to win a job in spring this year. Can you take me through your mindset uh, with uh, spring training just about set to open? Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, for me, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I, I like to keep things simple. Um, I feel like if I make it too complicated, I'll get all up in my head, and that's not really what I want to do. 
you know, I really do trust the Cardinals. I feel like they have a good game plan for what they want to do with players. So um, I feel like if I just play my game, man, things will work out, you know, in, in the way that I would want them to. Um, so, you know, it's all just about having trust in the organization and then just playing to the best of my ability. That's really how I see this spring training. So, you know, um, I'm doing a lot of work on, you know, trying to work on different pitches to hit, working on the outfield, working on base running all this whole offseason just so it will translate during spring training. And then if it translates how I want how I want to, you know, I trust them to do whatever they need to do to help the team win. So that's all really I have on that mindset. Who did you learn the most from since you've been in the minors? You talk about your roommate, Mason Wynn, who right. I'm looking forward to watching play on a regular basis. But you talked about some of the coaches. Who has been someone that has really helped you take that next step? Um, I would definitely have to say our fielding coach, uh, Jose Akendo Cheo. Man, he is really smart, man. He knows exactly what you need. You know, He knows exactly how to go about coaching you. Um, and he, you know, he adjusts based on how – you know, players don't learn, you know, all the same way. Some players learn visually. Some players, you know, just got to talk to them. Um, but he's really good at adjusting. And so, for me, when, like, uh, like infield work, um, he got me, you know, a little bit more comfortable at third base than when I started off as. I started off really rocky. Um, and so, he got me more comfortable there. And, and, and then now, even in the transition to outfield, he's been really working with me on drills to, you know, get me more comfortable in that right field position. So, you know, I feel like him, he's a really knowledgeable guy and, you know, Fielding is where I feel least like least strengthened, I guess, in, in part of my game. So I feel like him having him there really does help me, you know, and it's made the biggest impact on my game overall. And there's obviously been a lot of guys in the organization who've helped me along the way, but you know, his impact really does stand out. Jordan, Cardinals fans are really excited about you, and it seems like most off-season conversations you get brought up. Is is it hard? I mean, you're on social. You see stuff on social media. You hear things. Is it hard to tune out all that noise and just continue to kind of put your head down and do your work? Uh, no, man. I, honestly, I'm not even on social media as much as uh, people may think. Um, so I, I, I do hear some of it, but I, I really don't know everything that's being said. But no, nah, man, I, I mean, I know it's, you know, the, the part of this game is that people have expectations for you. So I, I really can't spend much time worrying about the expectations. Um, definitely do want to get the opportunity to play in front of such a great fan base. Man, I love the Cardinals fans. But, you know, people can really say what they want. And I feel like, you know, just play my game, to be honest. I really don't really worry about too much what people have to say about me, what, like, predictions they have or what they think I'm going to amount to be. You know, it's it's really, you know, kind of in, in one ear and out the other, to be honest. Cardinal prospect Jordan Walker is with us on Countdown to Opening Day. Jordan, for some of our Cardinal fans who may not be aware, you, you kind of have some indirect St. Louis roots, as your mother is quite <laughs> familiar with St. Louis. Right, right. She would have watched you, yeah. Absolutely. And you walked the campus yourself? Almost thought about signing up there or what? <laughs> I'm sure my mom would have loved that. But, uh, yeah, she, she took us through. Uh, we got to see a little bit of the campus. So, yeah, it was really cool my uh, first time out in St. Louis. Last thing from me, you're listed 6'5", 220. How close is that to being true? <laughs> not very. Um, <laughs> not very. Uh, yeah, so I put a little bit more weight since that weight was weighed in. Um, so it's a few pounds off, I'll say, but uh, yeah, no, not really close at all. Closer to muscle load and baby fat, right? <laughs> I like that. I like the way you put that. 
Hey, Jordan, final question for me. Uh, as as you're growing up and, and you're still a fairly young man, who were some of the players that inspired you to play baseball? Because, you know, as you probably noticed, there are not a, as many African-Americans who play the game that they used to. So who got you involved and who are some of the players you've looked up to as you ascend to the big leagues? Right, absolutely, man. Um, so my grandfather actually really got me into baseball. So a big reason why I play baseball is for my uh, – was my grandfather getting me in there, may he rest in peace. Um, but also, he gave me the opportunity to meet Hank Aaron when I was really young. So I barely, I barely remember it. Um, but I was really young, and he had me, uh, he had him sign a ball for me. Um, so you know, ever since then, he told me about him, and you know, looking up to him, like, oh man, he's he doing all these great things and playing baseball, and then just spending time playing baseball with my grandpa. I feel like subconsciously, Hank Aaron became that person I really did look up to. Um, playing baseball, you know, being from Atlanta and everything. So, and then when I became, you know, more and more conscious of the game, um, I used to really like watching Chipper Jones play, um, you know, third baseman, power hitting third baseman. That's kind of at the time of like my little league career, that's kind of what I was. And, you know, just seeing somebody in the league, you know, seeing uh, inspiring to be in the, in the major leagues as well. So it's, it's someone that really caught my attention and someone I also looked up to, you know, as I started getting a little bit older. He is Jordan Walker. Jordan, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. We'll see you in Jupiter very, very soon. Absolutely, man. I can't wait. See you all soon. Thank you, Jordan. Take care. That's Jordan Walker. Speaking of prospects, we'll talk to somebody who covers the Cardinals minor leagues for the Post-Dispatch and STL Today. That's Daniel Guerrero. He joins us next on the Cardinals Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Countdown to Opening Day continues here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Did you know Cardinals Authentics is the only place that you can get game-used and autographed memorabilia directly from the St. Louis Cardinals? Visit CardinalsAuthentics.com or visit the store on the first floor of Cardinals Nation inside of Ballpark Village. We just got done talking with Jordan Walker. There's a lot of prospects inside of the organization right now. We're very happy to welcome on somebody who covers the Cardinals at the big league level, but also does an absolutely fantastic job of covering the minor leagues as well. You read him at STL Today. Uh, he's part of the team at STL Pinch Hits. Also can be uh, read inside of the Post-Dispatch. He is Daniel Guerrero, and he joins us right now. Daniel, thank you for your time. How are you? I'm doing good, Matt. Uh, happy to be joining you and uh, Claves on, on the show. So thanks for the invite. Well, d- well, Daniel, you survived your rookie year, and you did an outstanding job covering the minor leagues and everything else. And you certainly educated a lot of Cardinal fans on who we had in the organization and what to look for. So my first question to you as we get close to spring training, who should be a player or two that we should be paying attention to that's not named Jordan Walker and Mason hmm. Wynn? That's a good question, just because, uh, you, you know, obviously those guys come to mind, um, you know, two top prospects in the organization, um, both non-roster invites uh, to big league camp. So, I mean, they'll, they'll be exciting to watch. Um, I mean, Tim Kent is another guy, you know, he's also a non-roster guy, part of that uh, 2020 draft class behind Jordan and, and Mason. 
Uh, you know, he's 20 years old. Really, uh, this year will be interesting just to see the workload he gets down in the minors. I mean, he'll, he's only pitched a total of about 60 innings in professional baseball uh, since 2020. I mean, but he was pretty much electric in the, in the time that he pitched for Palm Beach last year. Um, but, I mean, if, if we're going to talk about maybe somebody on the backfield that we might not see, uh, you know, in big league camp, uh, one of the guys that definitely comes to mind is Cooper Jerpy. I mean, the Cardinals' first-round pick from last year, we didn't get to see him pitch in a game uh, during the minor league season. Obviously, he had a huge workload at Oregon State University, uh, was effective there for, for the Beavers, and, and you know, the Cardinals decided to, to keep him out, I mean, obviously because of uh, precautions. Um, but, I mean, we'll see him, you know, make finally make that pro debut this year, and he's somebody who I'm definitely looking forward to seeing on the backfield. I mean, just because I haven't seen him pitch in, in pro ball, I mean, we've only been limited to highlights from uh, his college days. You mentioned Tink Hens, and, and you mentioned his workload. Basically, he was a starter last year, but he would pitch an inning or so, and then his his day would be done. Have you gotten much of an indication of how much more they're going to be able to stretch him out this year? Yeah, so just going back to last year, like you said, I mean, he was on a limited workload. I mean, he was pitching, you know, three innings at, uh, in his first few starts and then, you know, got up to four. Uh, so, I mean, that was kind of a gradual workload, and that's something that that I've heard will be kind of that, that path for him. Um, you know, I don't expect him to be going, you know, six, seven innings deep into a game. Uh, you got to keep in mind, you know, he's, I mean, like I said, he's only pitched 60 innings since since he, since he came out of high school. And he also had a shortened senior season because of the, the pandemic in 2020. So, I mean, it'll it'll be a, a same thing from what I've heard, a gradual increase throughout the year, um, something they're precautious about. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't expect, you know, hun- uh, you know, him to go be going deep into games in April. I mean, maybe – um, with the way the season flows, that could be something later, you know, when he gets to, to August and September. Daniel, um, you know, this year we're going to see, as we mentioned, Walker and Wynn, and you mentioned Tink Hentz. Um, talk to me about how the minors work with regard to the rule changes that will be implemented in the big leagues. W- what caught your eye most with regard to how players had to adjust? Uh, I think one of the big ones is obviously the pitch clock, and that's the one that I feel like, uh, we've kind of talked about the most when it comes to looking at 2023, just because uh, guys for, you know, basically all of uh, baseball, I mean, have just kind of worked at their own pace. Um, that was something that uh, a lot of guys in the minors had to adjust to. A lot of guys who got option to the minors had to adjust to. I remember Lars Newbar, uh was one of them who, when he went down to Memphis early in the year, some of the other guys on, on that Memphis team told him like, Hey, you got to have a heads up of, of the pitch clock. Cause Kind of have to, you know, you don't have a whole lot of time to get in there and get ready. Um, so that that's one that'll be interesting, and and I, I think the, the interesting part will be on actually on the hitters. That was something that that some hitters kind of described as as uh, being a challenge, just because you know you foul off a pitch or you take a pitch. Um, you know, guys step out of the box, adjust their gloves, think about the last pitch, take a couple practice swings, get back in. Well, now you don't have that time. You know, you, you have to be ready by by a certain uh, time on the clock. I want to say it's eight or nine seconds. Um, of that pitch clock, and you have to be ready to hit, um, or else you'll be charged with the strike. So, I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see the way uh, veteran hitters adapt to it, just because it's something that I feel like for younger players, um, it's kind of already, like, internalized with them. Um, you know, you kind of already see that pace with some of them. So I think that'll be one of the big ones as well. And obviously, you know, with the, the shift limitations will be interesting. Um, I think the, the pickoff engagement, the rules, the limitations on that will be interesting to watch and and the, the expanded base sizes i mean it'll be interesting to see how the running game uh kind of changes with, with those two things average length of game went down in the minor leagues would you expect the same thing yes 
win in the big oh, leagues? Yes, I, I would expect the same thing, and I personally would kind of hope for a little bit of the same. I mean, just because, <laughs> just I mean, you know, it's, it, baseball's a long season. I mean, it's 162 games, um, you know, three, three-and-a-half-hour ball games kind of wear on you. Um, and that was actually, I remember talking to Michael McGreevy, one of the other pitching pros- uh, top pitching prospects in the Cardinals organization. And, um, you know, he basically, I mean, he was, he was, he kind of joked about it. He's like, nobody wants to be at a ballpark for three and a half, four hours. I mean, it, it's nice to, to kind of have a, have a brisk game with a good pace to it. So, I mean, that's something I'm kind of looking forward to. I mean, I, I, I know the, the pitch clock and the new rules sound uh, maybe scary because it's, it's a little foreign to, to, you know, what baseball looks like in the, in the big leagues, but I think it's something that a lot of fans will will eventually, um, you know, acclimate to and, and in a way enjoy. Hey Daniel, you know we talked a little. You talked about Tink Hintz as being a prospect. Mm-hmm. Graceffo is a guy that a lot of people have talked about. You just mentioned uh, McGreevy. Give me a guy who's probably ready to make that jump to be able to be seen more in spring training by what he's been able to do. Not necessarily make the team. Now we've mm-hmm. seen the Cardinals take guys out of spring training that we didn't think were maybe were the guy they were going to bring up and ended up making a ball club. And I'll give you a good example with uh, last year with Pallante. So who is a guy that might be closer to major league ready than we think? You know, I, I think uh, of those two guys that you mentioned, they're, they're, they're kind of on that radar. There are two names that John Mazzaloc talked about at winter warmup of being on that major league radar already. Um, of, of the two, I mean, I, I think Gordon Graceffo kind of fits that mold of what, what, um, Ollie Marmol likes in his bullpen. I mean, it's somebody who has high velocity and a uh, good swing and miss rate. Um, Graceffo kind of struggled a little bit when it, when he got promoted from uh, high A Peoria to double A Springfield. And it's something he was honest about and, you know, embraced, he embraced those challenges and understood that, you know, you're not going to strike everybody out, but, but I mean, he has a, you know, has improved a lot. Um, just going back to, to last spring. I mean, he came into Jupiter, uh, you know, sitting in the high 90s and touching 100 uh, with control. And I know people say, you know, I mean, who, yeah, like velocity is great, but can you control it? I mean, he's somebody who can. I mean, he had one of the lowest walk rates in the organization, um, along with Michael McGreevy, who, you know, profiles more as a ground ball type guy. Um, the Cardinals are kind of looking for him to add a little bit of extra velocity to his arsenal. Um, so somebody else with great control. But, I mean, I, I think Gordon Graceffo is definitely one of those guys who, you know, could be making a push towards that, that big league uh roster and and if not i mean you know uh have the chance to kind of wow some people this spring last question for me from a 40-man roster perspective the cardinals that roster is so deep and it's tough to make moves it's tough to add guys to the roster without walking away from guys for nothing there's that many more guys that are on the doorstep that are going to need a a 40-man spot at some point in time do you kind of see what i'm seeing just in terms of that 40-man roster crunch and and the challenge that goes along with navigating through that Oh, there definitely is, and I think uh, that's that's always a challenge, especially when you have some prospects like in the Cardinals organi- organization who are kind of of approaching that that big league, um, you know, threshold of, of graduating from the majors. I mean, and I, and I know we talk a lot about like Jordan Walker, you know, what what, what he can do this spring and his possibilities, but um, yeah, you also have to think, you know, how the Cardinals are going to balance that roster. I mean. Um, I know it could be exciting to hear, you know, a couple of prospects coming up, but at the same time you have to look at, you know, um, like you mentioned, you know, what, what else is on the 40 man and who kind of the odd man out or odd man out is um, to make that space for, for, you know, that, that, that rookie that's going to be making their debut. Hey, Daniel, a guy that we have not talked about and I never hear him mention, 
He's one of the minor league players of the year for the Cardinals is Mr. Gomez. 39 mm-hmm. home runs in Springfield, I mean, in, uh, in the minors last year. What what do you see him doing? And and if he has a flaw, what might it be? I mean, you know, you don't hit 39 home runs in the minors by mistake, but that also tells mm-hmm. you there may be a hole in your bat somewhere along the way as well. So what did you see in him? And, and what do you see his role in spring training this year? Yeah, I mean, he's somebody who, I mean, if you're looking at under-the-radar guys who are going to be in big league camp, obviously he's on the 40-man roster, so he'll be there. Um, you know, after he, like you said, he hit 39 homers, which is a, a Cardinals minor league record um, that he set. And I mean, uh, when you look at, you know, what he can do, I mean, he can hit homers. I mean, he's somebody who plays with, with a lot of energy, who's, who has a lot of power, um, who has some speed to him as well. I mean, you, you look at, um, and when you look at that outfield, I mean, obviously it's a little crowded, but Gomez kind of is that, that kind of in a way a sleeper of, of somebody who can, with his bat, make some noise. Uh, when it comes to some of the things that, you know, he struggled with this last season, uh, definitely the swing and miss rate, uh, you know, a lot of homers, but a lot of swings and miss. So he had a pretty high strikeout rate. I mean, in the field, um, there are some things that, you know, the Cardinals would like to see out of him to to kind of shore up his defense. I mean, he profiles more as, as somebody who plays the corner outfield. I mean, he didn't play a whole lot of center field this last year, or if any, I'm not, I'd have to double check that. Um, but when you look at obviously what he can do with his bat, I mean, it really intrigues you. Um, because it was something that, you know, he came into the Cardinals um, after getting released by the Rays and they're after spending some time in their system and figured things out and really turned turned his trajectory around. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you look when you look at some of the things that, that you'd like to see improve is obviously that swing and miss, that swing and miss rate, I mean, and strikeout rate. So his best position right now is batter's box. I mean, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, we'll see how, what, you know, what it looks like in spring with his defense and how he's worked on that. I mean, he was playing in the Venezuelan Winter League back home for him. Um, I actually played on Yachty's team for the Naviga- uh, uh, Navigantes Magallanes out there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely profiles somebody as, as somebody who can, you know, handle the bat. Is Daniel Guerrero covers uh, the Cardinals with a uh, specific focus on the minors. You read him at STL Today, STL Pinch Hits, and inside of the Post-Dispatch. Daniel, thank you so much for uh, taking some time with us. Yeah, thank you guys for the invite. That's Daniel Guerrero joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals Radio Network. How would you like to work games at Bush Stadium this year? You've got an opportunity to do just that. Ashley Middlebrook, the Director of Event Operations with the Cardinals, joins us next as we continue on in just a moment. It's Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals Radio Network. We're very happy right now to be joined by Ashley Middlebrook. She is the Director of Event Operations with the St. Louis Cardinals. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm great. We are getting closer and closer to uh, the start of the season, which means you are a very, very busy person. <laughs> that's very true. Yes. Uh, you guys have an event that's going to be coming up on Saturday for people who maybe want to come work at Bush Stadium, work games. It's a great opportunity. Absolutely. We are doing an open interview session this Saturday, February 11th from 10 a.m. to noon for anyone who's interested in becoming an usher or an event attendant. Both of our part-time positions here at the ballpark who greet our guests, welcome them, make sure that we're having a safe, fun, family-friendly environment. What is it like for an usher? Take me through what they're doing and what is entailed in that job. 
So our ushers' main responsibility in their their first couple of years is greeting the guests at the gate, directing them uh, lines as they're coming into the building. They'll handle some bag inspections, some metal detection, um, but also handing out promo items and then also going into the ballpark uh, in seating seating areas and making sure that. We're providing a safe atmosphere that's that's fun for everyone. So if they have bouncing experience, does that help? No, I'm <laughs> it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> uh, and then the event attendant, what is the what is that person? So like? our event attendants again also want to make sure that we're providing a a safe place for our for our guests. And their main responsibility here is to keep up on the cleanliness of our, our building and making sure that. Our restrooms are stocked, uh, trash cans are emptied, and following any health and safety regulations when it comes to cleanliness of the building. So go through just the logistics of doing this interview process and coming out here coming up on Saturday. Absolutely. So um, no need to apply online before you you come in. You can just show up at Gate 2 of Bush Stadium, which is on the southwest side of the ballpark. And uh, again, anytime between 10 and noon, you can come in. We do ask that you bring some I-9 information with you because we will be doing hiring on the spot for um, some of these positions. So making sure that you're prepared to be hired if, if the position is offered to you. And uh, the interview, would I would say, probably lasts about 15, 20 minutes. So pretty quick process. But again, you'll come to Gate 2. And we do have parking available on Lot C, which is, again, just southwest of the ballpark. And... Uh, that's free parking for anyone who is coming down for an interview. I have to think one of the common questions maybe is how many games does somebody have to work to be in one of these positions? Absolutely. So we don't have a required minimum for our staff, but we do hope that you work approximately half of the events that we have here. They will also be, uh, in addition to games, they're also scheduled for any concerts. So we do have some concerts coming up this year that um, our ushers and event attendants would be scheduled for. So no minimum, but we do hope that you make a commitment to work as much as possible. And obviously, so there's perks that go along with this. You get to uh, you get to come to the ballpark a lot. That's right, yes. Um, along with all the baseball games, we do have discounted parking for our employees. There is reward and recognition programs throughout the year. You'll receive select promotional items also, and uh, just a fun environment to to be in. I think sometimes there's maybe the misconception that, this is something that just older retired people do. That's not the case. This is a great thing for you know somebody who maybe has a, a nine to five type job. It's a chance to get some some evening hours and things like that. For sure, yes. A lot of our employees, this is a, a second job for them. Uh, we do have our retired folks who are welcome as well, but um, we see a lot of teachers, a lot of students, uh, and then just a general person who has another nine to five that they come down here after their their other job and get to enjoy some baseball and meet new people and make some friends and it's a great way to um, enjoy St. Louis. One last time if people want more information before Saturday where's the place to get it? Uh, visit cardinals.com slash work at Bush for more information on both the usher and event attendant position as well as the um, details for where to come and when. That's Ashley Middlebrook. She's the director of event operations with the Cardinals. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals Nation Restaurant hosting the only official St. Louis Cardinals pregame party with a two-and-a-half-hour DJ-hosted, all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink event before every home game. 
Tickets are on sale at cardinals.com slash pregame. We've got a lot coming up in hour number two of the program. The voice of the Cardinals, John Rooney, is going to uh, join us as uh, we'll find out what he's been doing this offseason and his thoughts on the 2023 Cardinals. Also, Craig Mish will join us. He covers uh, the Marlins, but also Major League Baseball overall. Cardinals and Marlins, they're going to see a lot of each other in Jupiter over the next six weeks or so. Plus, we have our weekly snapshot looking back at a big moment from this past season. That is all coming up next hour. My name's Matt Pauley. I'm alongside of Cardinals broadcaster Mike Claiborne, and we're back with more after this. It's Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. We are into hour number two of Countdown to Opening Day. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. If you're looking for a truly unique event space, Cardinal Special Events can help to create memorable corporate and personal events in both Bush Stadium and Cardinals Nation Restaurant. For more information on options for an experience your guests won't stop talking about, visit cardinals.com slash events. As we continue on with the program, we are very happy to welcome on the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. He is John Rooney. John, thanks for your time. How are you? Well, Matt, Clay, it's good to be with you guys, and it won't be long and so we're all together down in Jupiter, and we're watching some Cardinal baseball. And it will be a little different type spring training because of the World Baseball Classic, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting started. John, for you, uh, going to spring training this year, what are you looking for? Because this is a team that obviously was disappointed in how their season ended last year. Uh, most of the band is back, with the exception of Albert and Yachty. So what are you looking for this year? Well, first off, claims I think we have to take a look at how the, the pitcher-hitter clock will have an effect on not only the pace of game, but how the pitchers adjust to it, how the hitters get used to being ready at a quicker pace because they can only call time once in their bat. And we'll see how that plays out. Plus, we're going to see a lot of young players because of the World Baseball Classic. And to be able to see Walker and Mason Wynn and see a lot of good young arms that we've heard so much about. And Connor Thomas, I'm anxious to see him facing batters and throwing the cutter that earned him the pitcher of the year down in the Arizona Fall League. So those are some things I'm looking forward to. And you know that after the first at-bat or two in these spring games, especially early, it's the Cardinals minor leaguers against their minor leaguers. And then uh, we get to see a lot of good young talent. But fortunately, over the years, a lot of that good young talent surfaced to help the Cardinals, like Tommy Edmond and Burleson came up last year, and what we saw from Brendan Donovan who won the utility gold glove last year, and and, uh, he can play a number of positions. He gives you a great at-bat every time up, and we're trying to see if we can spot a few minor league players that might be on the verge of coming up. Many want Walker on that opening day roster as it is, and we'll see if he's worthy of that. Which rule change do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the way the game is played? I think it's going to be the size of the bases. It's a game of inches anyway, and by making those bases bigger, then the bases are closer to home plate. We've seen replays where the guy is just out where the spikes are about an inch above the bag. So there might be a few more infield hits, and I think it certainly will promote base stealing. The guys who can really run the bases well will have a chance to have a few more stolen bases when it's all said and done. So those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to, and and definitely the pitcher-hitter clock will uh, have an effect on, on pace of play. And then having two infielders on each side of second base that's going to make a big difference, and we'll see how all that plays out. We're going to get more explanations on the rules changes from Major League Baseball a couple of days before we start broadcasting games, but there will be an adjustment period, and hopefully by the time players have been engaged in spring training for about 25, 30 games, that they'll be ready for opening day, and we won't have any 
real mix-ups with that or or any problems with uh, too many violations. You know, John, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to in spring training is just watching to see how drills are conducted because now uh, catch-and-throw catchers are going to be more important, working on pitch outs. Uh, when do you throw over the first? We only get two shots at it. I mean, I think fundamentally there's a lot of things that may be going back to the refresher course, and, and, and the Cardinals have been pretty vigilant about that, so I'm not sure if it will affect them as much as others, but I do think stressing basic fundamentals and going back to things that we, we weren't accustomed to seeing for a while, I think that's going to be stressed a little bit more in spring training. And, claims I really believe the minor leaguers will be a lot better at it than those who have been at the big yeah. league level for the last Good year point. or two because they're used to it. They're used to a lot of these issues that uh, the big leaguers are going to face now when we start playing games, and that first game is against Washington uh, the last Saturday in uh, in February. So I think you're right. I think there will have to be a lot of reminders for those minor league players who are going to take part, and then a, a lot of introductions to the, the major league players of how this is going to work out, and we need to get used to it. And, and seeing how Giovanni Gallegos adapts to the pitcher's clock. <laughs> you know, they may have to put a buzzer in his pocket just to remind him. I mean, because that, that's going to be something. And, and I, I'll tell you, John, I think there are going to be some guys that may not be able to make the adjustment and, and their careers may be in peril. Because if you can't adjust, uh, they're going to find somebody else who can. And I think Gallegos is somebody everybody's going to take a long, hard look at. I've found that people do what they have to do, Klaibs, and I think uh, in the long haul, if you want to play at the big league level, you have to play by the rules as uh, that uh, the pitch timers are already being trained. Uh, they, they did some training at a college tournament down in Houston that Jim Crane hosted, and I read something on MLB on uh, the app that uh, they had a number of those uh, clock operators in, in the park getting used to uh, how they have to reset the clock so often. And, and they've had to run the clocks anyway in between innings and with pitching changes. And, and uh, if it's a home run, 30 seconds before the, the next batter, you know, within that time frame, that batter has to be ready to go, and so does the pitcher. So uh, everybody's going to have to get used to it. But I think in the long run, if you want to play in the big leagues, they'll get used to it. Hmm. Voice of the Cardinals, John Rooney, continuing to join us. It's countdown to opening day on the Cardinals Radio Network. You alluded to earlier just all the young players that are going to get opportunities. How much do you enjoy watching the evolution of young players? I think about a Lars Newtbar and the way he broke through in the second half of the season, and we'll see what he does moving forward. But this is an organization right now that has a lot of young players who the development process is still continuing even at the major league level. Well, Matt, with the pitchers, I just hope they throw strikes. And I know there are times that if they've been out there three or four times already, they might be hitting a dead arm stage, and, and it might be difficult for them to have their command or their control. But if they can throw strikes and then come back the next outing and do it again, I try not to get too excited about a player who excels in three or four outings in spring training from a pitching standpoint or if they have a few good games at the plate. Uh, I just try to see if they give you a good at-bat if they have a good knowledge of the strike zone, if uh, they have confidence, for one thing, facing major league pitchers early in a ball game, and uh, Oliver and uh, the Cardinals will give a lot of those young players a chance to see the frontline pitchers at the beginning of a ball game, not just after a couple of at bats for Carlson or for Goldie or Arenado, but uh, and having those players gone to the World Baseball Classic, and Newbar's another one who will be gone. Uh, we're going to have a chance to see more young players more often than we have in the past couple of seasons. 
Final question for me for the voice of the Cardinals, John Rooney. Uh, John, spring training, the games kind of go in different segments. We have our first 10 games where we're trying to feel each other out. Then you have the other 10 games where guys are starting to get in a groove. And then you have that final 10 uh, where guys really start to hone in on what the season's going to look like. The competition is stiffer. You've cleaned out some of your guys where they've gone to the minor leagues. Is there one player in particular that you're looking forward to seeing to see how they deal with all three segments? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how Matt's comes back from his injury and how he's able to pitch. He pitched great at Cincinnati until he hurt his knee. He had one game right off the injured list and was looking terrific, and I thought, what a boost that's going to be down the stretch. And then he twisted a knee going over trying to pick up a ground ball on the first baseline. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does, how Jack Flaherty is able to go from one outing to the next to the next in getting ready at Flaherty is that number one type of pitcher we anticipated after his rookie year, then that's a game-changer to me for the Cardinal pitching staff. And also uh, how Miles Michaelis comes back after an all-star year. Adam Wainwright is healed up. He's ready to go. He has his stride back, and he's ready to pitch. And we'll see how the, the starting rotation falls in place, but also to see just how that bullpen can fall in line and uh, who deserves a spot. Volante was uh, a great surprise last year. I'm looking forward to seeing who that next uh, surprising pitcher will be. He is the voice of the Cardinals, John Rooney. John, thanks so much for the time. We'll see you down in uh, Jupiter very, very soon. Looking forward to it. It won't be long, guys. Have a good one. That's the voice of the Cardinals, John Rooney. When we return, we'll talk with Craig Mish. He's based out of Miami, covers the Marlins, Cardinals, and Marlins. We'll see a lot of each other in Jupiter. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Welcome back into Countdown to Opening Day. Theme tickets are on sale now and feature new themes and returning favorites, including Friends Night, Star Wars Night, Margaritaville Night, Grateful Dead Night, and much more. For all the details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com slash theme. The Cardinals and Miami Marlins will see a lot of each other in Jupiter. To talk a little bit about the Marlins and also Major League Baseball in general, we bring in Craig Mish. You see and hear him on Sports Grid. He's also a contributor to the Miami Herald and also MLB Network. And Craig Greg, as we jump in, a lot of Cardinal interest in the Marlins because of manager Skip Schumacher, but obviously tough road in front of them when you consider the division that they're playing in. It's a tough dynamic being in that division, having those three teams that you know are spending $300 million, $200 million, and $170 million or whatever those teams are. I mean, it'd be one thing if there was just one, but there's only so many wild cards to go around. So I think what you're going to hear from the Marlins when they get to camp in Jupiter is something what you just mentioned that's really important. I think they're going to use that, and they're going to say, hey, look, oh, you know, we are who we are, and, let, and let's, let's compete with ourselves, meaning like, let's only control what we can control and see how many wins we get at the end of the season and stop worrying about who is spending what because we know at the end of the day, sometimes Tampa Bay gets in, sometimes Cleveland gets in, you know? And so mm-hmm. why not Miami? And I think that they'll probably use that card and and play that underdog role as best they can all season long. But naturally, they're up against it. And uh, less games in the division, at least, with some of the realignment. But, uh, you know, look, they'll, they'll, 
they'll fight, they'll kick, they'll scratch. That's the way that Skip is going to manage the team. We know that. And so, uh, you know, I think they would never admit it, but if they could finish 500 or better, I think that they would have to look at this as a success. That's for sure. What has been your overall impression so far and not very much time around Skip Schumacher? Uh, I have a lot of good impressions with him, and I feel like I have a, a pretty uh, solid, at least, you know, relationship to start with with Skip. He's been really vocal, uh, at least with me, on kind of telling me, you know, sort of some of the things that he likes and some of the things that he's seen, um, you know, sort of the way that he wants things to be. And I, and I have a lot of respect for the way that that man played the game. And I've told my son before, you know, Skip. He's like he didn't know a lot about Skip Schumacher because again, he played at a time my son is really young. And I said, well, this is the kind of guy that fought his way and, and had to, you know, wasn't the biggest, wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strongest, but he worked the hardest on the field. And I think that that's what the Marlins really need, guys, because we know. Speaking of big, fast, and strong, we know the Marlins aren't going to sign the guys that are the biggest, the fastest, and the strongest. That's not the way that they're going to operate. So they have to maximize who they have, and who better to maximize talent than a guy that had to do it himself and Skip Schumacher. So thus far, I absolutely love the hire, and, and I do think he's going to make a difference. Now, what that means at the end, I'm not sure, but I do think he will make a difference this evening. You know, the, the Derek Jeter era is behind us, and Kim Ng, the only female that's a general manager in baseball, and I think qualified to do the job. Will they let her do the job? Because at some point, this team is going to compete, and they may need an extra batter. They may need an extra arm. Do you think they'll go maybe just a hair longer than what they've done in the past to make sure they, they get this team uh, the help and show the players and the organization that they're committed? Well, I mean, you look at their payroll now, and if you compare their payroll to their attendance, they're they're way ahead of the game. I mean, their payroll is 22nd, I think, in baseball, and they're dead last in attendance, or Oakland's last. I don't know. It's going to be one of the two at the end of the season, that's for sure. And, and let's also not forget that while it's not big in terms of the Mets and the Phillies and even the Braves, their payroll is over $100 million, and so... People are listening, saying, "Wait a second! The Marlins' payroll is over a hundred million dollars. Then why are they only projected, you know, to win seventy-five games or so this year?" Well, the answer, guys, is this: Last season, they went out and they gave out what I would call non-Marlins-esque contracts, which means they gave multi-year yep. contracts to two players. They gave a fifty million dollar contract to Avisail Garcia and a thirty-six million dollar contract to Jorge Soler. Grand scheme of baseball, these are not big contracts for the Marlins. Those are big contracts. They got nothing from either of those guys last year. And I think that the way they're viewing this right now, to be honest with you, is, hey, Kim Eng, you know, you signed these two guys last year. You know, that, that counts toward the payroll. These players are going to have to be better. And so I do like the moves Kim has made in the offseason, to answer your question, signing Gene Segura, uh, you know, adding to the mix the, tr- the trade of Luis Arias to bring him in. But let's be honest, this is the final year of Kim's deal. Uh, when, when she was signed by Derek Jeter to come in, let's also remember that this was Derek Jeter that brought her in too, and he's no longer there. So uh, they're going to have to make some improvements, and if they win less than 70 games again this year, I think we're going to have some interesting uh, questions to ask at the end of the year, that's for sure. The There have been reports out there that basically – Every starting pitcher not named Sandy Alcantara is, is available in a trade. There have been some reports out there that maybe the Cardinals have been connected to, to some of these guys uh, that are out there. Do you think this is going to be a Marlins team that's active in terms of possibly trading some players away? 
Yeah, well, first of all, pay attention to my news when it comes to the Marlins. There you go. There you go. I'll be the one to tell you what what is what is what is really happening with them. Uh, but regardless, that's no disrespect to anyone else. But regardless, they were not trading Jesus Lazardo this offseason. That was not happening. They traded Starling Marte, which in the end they probably could have used more than Jesus Lazardo. But Starling Marte is as close to a star slash superstar as you could get in this game. He's a high quality center fielder, right fielder, left fielder. Lazardo, they loved what they saw from him last year. And to say that he would be available at any trade is just not true. They really value him, and I didn't hear his name one time brought up in trade rumors. He's also under team control for another several years. So um, now, as far as the Cardinals and the Marlins talking this offseason, there's no question that they did. Uh, I don't know how serious things got. I could tell you that if uh, Mo or Gersh were, was on the phone with Kim and saying, hey, we'd love to send you Lars Nupar, I think that they would have had a trade. But <laughs> Nupar was not for... Uh, trade. He was not up for a trade this offseason. I know Miami would have loved to have him in their starting lineup in the outfield, and I think a lot of other teams did. So I think that if you're looking for a, a match with the Marlins, with some of their starting pitching, and with the Cardinals' excess of outfielders, I think it's fair to ask yourself the question is why they didn't get a deal done. And in the end, my estimation is Miami really uh, didn't love the other options that the Cardinals had that were available outside of Newbar, and so therefore they made that trade with the Twins uh, instead. But they definitely, you know, had, had, you know, kicked the tires at the very least to see if they could come together on a deal. I know that for sure. For you, this is going to be, and for all of us, this season is going to be a little different with the rule changes uh, and certainly the balanced schedule. What are you looking forward to seeing most in this upcoming year? I think people are underestimating how great the pitch clock is going to be in Major League Baseball. I think that for people like myself and and who cover the game a lot and who have kids that, that take the kids to the game at 640 Eastern, 640 Central, 710 Central, I don't want to be at that game past 10 p.m. anymore. I just don't want to do it. And I think that the games, because of that, are going to be shortened. It may not happen right away, and it may not happen in April, it may not happen in May, but I'm looking forward to a much better experience because they're simply put are about 10 to 15 percent of pitchers in major league baseball who just don't care and they will sit there and throw to first and just be on that mound forever and the game drags and yeah the the true outcome story that's also a a real thing but and and again I, i respect pitchers and i respect what they do but throw the ball over the plate it is hard enough for these guys to hit you they are not going to succeed seven out of ten times so just you know, call the pitch and throw that pitch over the plate, and let's get going. I think, guys, that is going to be huge for the game, and I think that games will be cut by 10, 15 minutes at a time. And, and in, in school time for kids in the summer and everything else, I just, I just think I can't wait to see that come to fruition. We see the Marlins quite a bit in spring training. Tell me what your vision is for the Cardinals. What do you see about the Redbirds that Cardinal listeners can take pay attention to? Yeah, well, I, I think the most interesting spring storyline for the Cardinals will be the fact that some of the major uh, players on the team you're not going to see because they're going to be in the World Baseball Classic. And I remember when this happened previously, this can work positively and it can also work negatively. You just don't know. So when folks are watching those games on TV or listening to you guys on the radio, uh, you know, they're going to have to take a step back and say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be watching a lot of kids who we're not familiar with and seeing players that we haven't seen. So that being said, I think overall, once we get past spring training and things sort of even out, 
I, I think the Cardinals are the team to beat once again in the division, but I, I cannot see that team going very far without adding another starting pitcher. I just, I just can't. I think that they're lush with outfielders. The corners are all set. I think Contreras is going to do a very good job behind home play, probably one of the more underappreciated defensive catchers in the game, not Yachty, but clearly I think he'll be there. Uh, so they're going to need contributions, and whether it's you know Libertor stepping up or uh, or someone else in terms of starting pitching, I think that to me is where they need to get better before the end of the season. The, the, you know the, the Montgomery trade was really good, uh, but that but I don't think that's winning a World Series for the Cardinals. I think they're going to have to add a uh, a front another front line starter before the end of the season. You don't have one laying around over there in Miami, do you? I mean, get him on the phone. Let's make it happen. Let's see what we could do. Let's send send Nudo, send Newpar over to Miami. I think I, I think I think you could you could work if if Newpar was for sale. I, I think that any of any of the Marlins starters outside of Sandy would be available. That's how much I think that they like him. And by the way, that is that player to me is uh, is a budding star in the game. I mean, you could say a lot about Donovan, and you know Walker's getting talked about a lot too. And I, I can't wait to see some of these guys play in the spring. Uh, but for me, I think the big jump on the St. Louis Cardinals this year is Lars Newpar. He's Craig Mish. You hear him. You see him on Sports Grid TV. Also uh, continues to uh, contribute to the Miami Herald and MLB Network. Craig, thank you so much uh, for your time. We'll see you in Jupiter real soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. That's Craig Mish. This is Countdown to Opening Day. Up next, our weekly snapshot on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network. It is time for our weekly snapshot. We look back to a game, a moment, something that happened this past season, and we all relive it together. This week, we are going to go back to August 18th as the Cardinals are matched up against the Colorado Rockies. Adam Wainwright on the mound for the Cardinals. He himself would have quite the game, but the Cardinals offensively would have quite the performance as well. It would get started early in the first inning. Base hits from Lars Newtbar and Brendan Donovan brings Paul Goldschmidt to the plate. The pitch. Goldie whacks it into right for a base hit. Coming around third base, Lars Newtbar. He's going to score. The throw comes into second while Donovan slides in at third. one nothing Cardinals on consecutive singles by Newtbar, Donovan, and the RBI hit from Goldschmidt. Later in the inning, Nolan Arnato an RBI ground out, and then Tyler O'Neill would do this. O'Neill swings, lines it into right field. That's a base hit. Here comes Paul Goldschmidt. He's going to score. He crosses the plate standing. It's a two-out RBI hit for O'Neill. His 41st RBI. 3-0 Cardinals. A three-run first inning for the Cardinals. We didn't know it then, but that would be more than enough for them that day. But they would have a lot more left in the tank. In fact, in the second inning, they would get back going once again as Tommy Edmond would double, uh, and then he would move to third on a ground out. It would bring up Brendan Donovan. Great speed over at third. Tommy Edmond, the pitch. A little slow roller up the first base side. Senzatella can't get to it. The flip gets by first base. Montero getting over there, and Senzatella is hurt. He's down on the grass by the coach's box. A run scores, and the Cardinals lead 4-0. But the Rockies are going to have to attend to their pitcher. And that would do it for Rockies starter Antonio Sensatella. His day is done. Former Cardinal Austin Gomber comes in to pitch. And the first batter he faces off against is Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt with a 1-1 pitch. He swings and it's a high fly ball. A charge into it. Left center field. 
That ball is at the wall and off the wall. The center fielder, Hampson, is down. A run scores. Donovan crosses the plate as Goldschmidt pulls up at second base. Hampson gave it quite an effort, but couldn't come up with the ball, and Goldschmidt just missed hitting one out of here. So the Cardinals have a 5-0 lead, but it's really what happened in the third inning that has us focusing in on this game today. In that inning, Nolan Gorman walks, Tyler O'Neill walks, and then Tillon Carlson gets a base hit. That scores Nolan Gorman. It makes it a 6-0 game. The Cardinals would load the bases once again. Oliver Marmel goes to his bench and brings up Albert Pujols as a pinch hitter. 6 nothing here. Cardinals and the pitch to Pujols is hit deep down the left field line. Towards the wall. And it is gone. A grand slam for Albert Pujols. Pujols hits number 690. What a great moment here at the ballpark as Pujols delivers... And this crowd is going crazy. It is now 10-0 Cardinals. A grand slam off the bat of Albert Pujols, and the Cardinals extend their lead to 10-0. You just think of all the magical moments from Pujols this past season, especially in the month of August, and there was one of them. The Cardinals would score another couple runs in the fifth inning, and they would have a 12-0 lead. All along, Adam Wainwright continues to pitch a gym through six innings. He had not given up a run. So we go ahead and move to the seventh inning. First battery faces off against is Brendan Rodgers. He lines out. The next hitter is C.J. Crone. Come into the wind, the one-two pitch, and that is a cold strike three on the outside corner. And Wayno has been painting with that fastball. A line out and a strikeout, and that's seven strikeouts for the Cardinal veteran Adam Wainwright. Ryan McMahon would then ground out, and Wainwright throws seven scoreless innings. He gives up just three hits, seven strikeouts, and no walks for Wainwright as he picked up his ninth win of the year. Albert Pulse, by the way, wasn't quite done. He would come up with another RBI hit in the seventh inning. Yeah, 3-1 delivery to Albert. is hit hard, and it's a base hit to left field. Rounding third and scoring is Tommy Edmond, and it's 13-0 Cardinals on the base hit. RBI for the great one, Albert Pujol. A five-RBI afternoon for number five. Innocent Cabrera throws a scoreless eighth inning. Chris Stratton puts up a zero in the ninth, and the Cardinals end up winning this one by a 13-0 score. After the game, starting pitcher Adam Wainwright did speak to the media, the audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. My job today was just to not mess it up. I mean, the offense was the story. You know, I, I pitched a, a good game, but they were incredible. You know, and Albert hitting the grand slam. I mean, we're just we're just kind of like living in the shadow right now, which is where we should be. But he's uh, he's incredible. He's incredible. When you when you try to figure out what's going on with him, because he's getting better and better. You know, you always say people look at age and they should getting better and better. What's, what stands up and what impresses you about him? I mean. This, he looks the same as when he left to me, doesn't you know what I mean? Like it, this is the way he's supposed to look like at, here at this stadium doing these things. This is the other ten years I don't know what happened, but the twelve that I've seen him here, he's been pretty good. Have you ever seen a guy That was what you wanted to know. Rise to the moment every time like it seems like he always comes through in that kind of stage when Yeah. That's what he does. That's what he's always done. You know, and uh 
I tell those stories all the time, and now they now they really believe me. I think they were like, yeah, he were all right. He's not that much better than so-and-so or, you know, I'm like... Just know that this is what he did all the time. You know, this is him. So, yeah, it's cool. Aaron, what, was, what was your reaction when you see all the go to pinch at Albert in the bottom of the third? That's a pretty cutthroat decision there to definitively go to win the game in that second. Well, I think he knew that there was going to be multiple at-bat situation off of a lefty and gomer there. And it was a good opportunity to get a couple at-bats. I mean, Albert's been absolutely crushing lefties. So, um, yeah, that's made sense to me. Pretty good move on paper, too. Your efficiency, was that kind of what you had in your last start, too? Did you feel the same or was it a typical difference? No, same. I mean, I, I had uh, slightly better stuff last time, but tonight I had better fastball command probably and so um, you know you go with what you got that was adam wainwright in the clubhouse after the game the audio courtesy of valley sports midwest as wainwright picks up the win as we go back to august 18th on this week's snapshot we'll take a break and have much more in just a moment this is countdown to opening day across the cardinals radio network the Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network. Cardinals Nation restaurant hosts Family Night with Fred Bird. Wednesdays from 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock until the home opener. Kids can eat free, meet Fred Bird, play games and win prizes. Reservations, a full schedule and more information available at cardinalsnation.com. Uh, coming up in our uh, next segment, Mike Claiborne will rejoin me. Uh, there's a lot of talk right now about the rules changes that are coming to baseball, and we've had a lot of conversations about that uh, even in this show today. Uh, we're going to kind of go deep on some of these and how it could impact uh, the way the game is actually being played. The one thing that, I, that I'm really curious about is will the impact of the rule changes the impact that they had on the minor league game will be the same impact on the major league game or because there's more research and more information, are things just going to look a little bit different? And I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that at this point in time, but uh, Klaibs and I will talk about that coming up in just a moment or so. Treat your Valentine to dinner and a game with Cardinals all-inclusive tickets starting as low as $59.00. All-inclusive tickets feature premium seats, a full buffet, and complimentary bar service for complete offer details. All you got to do is head to cardinals.com slash valentines. Countdown to opening day, our final week that the show is partially coming from St. Louis. I'll be in Jupiter next week to join Mike Claiborne. Claves will rejoin me coming up in just a moment as we continue on with Countdown to Opening Day right here across the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. We're back as we start to wrap up this edition of Countdown to Opening Day when we're back with you next week. Uh, Mike's already down in Florida, but I'll be there as well. And, Claves, we were talking uh, earlier on the program with uh, John Rooney, and we were talking about the rules changes, and he specifically mentioned the bases. I have a hard time. One of the things I'm really curious to see, and this might not be something that we really learn for the next few years, I'm. we know that there's going to be more of the attempts like we have seen on stolen base attempts. Guys are going to be safe. What I'm curious is, are there going to be more 
attempts where basically the you know the success rate stays the same but we've got more people trying to steal bases or if the attempt rate is going to stay the same and the success rate is going to go way high i don't know if that makes sense of what i'm trying to say no it's it's a good question i think you're going to see the attempt rate go up i think you'll see the success rate go up because i think we have a lot of catchers who are in the lineup because of their back compared to them being able to catch and throw uh, and I think when you look at the Cardinals, um, you know, Wilson Contreras is a good thrower, but, you know, he hasn't had to throw a lot. And I think we have to always prepare ourselves to say he's not Yachty, nor is Andrew Kisner. So with that said, I think teams will figure out how can I draw a, a couple of throws from the pitcher? And then because after he throws it over the second time, now now he's dealing the cards, pardon the pun. So I, I do think you're going to see more teams attempt stolen bases. But here, here's another question, though. How many guys actually can steal bases? Yeah. Does that mindset change also with regard to what is a a manageable rate to steal bases at? So there's a lot of things that are going to go on. And one of the reasons why I asked John Rooney and talked to him about how spring training will be run, you got to go pick out some guys who you think can steal a base. And there are some teams that don't have many guys like that. And and the Cardinals are one of them. I mean, you've got Edmund. Tyler O'Neill can run, but I don't know if he's a base stealer. Uh, Lars Newbar can run. I don't know if he's a base stealer, and, and there's a big difference. And so when you look at these teams, you know, you look at a team like Philadelphia, I think there's still a lot of bases, obviously, because of Trey Turner. Bryce Harper can run the bases and steal bases as well. So you have to look around to see who can actually do it. I think this Miami bunch will be a team that will steal some bases. So I, I look at all of these teams and say, all right, who, who's shown me the ability and who will you give the green light to? And I really think it also has a lot to do with who's catching. You know, here, here's something that I, I, I look at wondering if they're going to work on, the pitch out. You know, that's kind of a lost in art, lost art because, you know, some pitchers would, would try and make a pitch out and start aiming the ball, and anytime you aim the ball in baseball, it normally doesn't go where you want it to go. And how do catchers increase their pop time? So there's a lot of things that will go on behind the scenes and working on the side fields and things of that nature I think are going to be more important this year and, and forthcoming uh, than we've ever seen in the game of baseball. Is there going to be a heightened importance across Major League Baseball at having those type of people inside of organization? Well, you know what? That's a good question you ask because I don't think Vince Coleman is working anywhere. And there's not that many guys who really understand base stealing that is still in the game. You know, a guy like Billy Hamilton might find a job because he can steal base. He can't hit, but maybe he finds a job either stealing bases or maybe he's a base running instructor. And that that's a very important element. You know, I, I'm of the belief if you haven't done it, I don't know if you can teach it. And the Cardinals have been fortunate going back to Lou Brock to always have people who could A, steal bases and also B, teach people how to steal bases. Willie McGee is a very good guy at that role. But how you don't have a guy like Vince Coleman teaching guys in the minors and making his rounds with the big league team is is a head scratcher for me. And maybe he doesn't want to do it. I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it. And I, I intend to talk to him about it. But I really feel like those guys are going to be invaluable right now because everybody can't teach it. All right. So baseball in the last I don't know how many years. It's kind. Of, I'm gonna I'm gonna dumb it down and simplify it. But essentially, you were able to put things into an algorithm, and what got spit out is the way to do things to most often win games. 
Well, now things are changing. Now the now the distance between first and second and second and third is four and a half inches less. Now guys can't bounce back maybe as quickly on throwing high velocity fastballs. And I don't know if we're ever going to really get a, a, a truthful answer from organizations, but I do think it's interesting that teams are going to be taking all of these differences and as, again I'm dumbing it down, but putting all this back into the algorithm and now all of a sudden it might spit out something a little bit different on what you do to be most effective winning the most games well i i think it i think it will um now here's a question for you and it may sound like a dumb question but i've been known to ask those before does first base is first base larger i believe so yes okay so now the infield hit comes into play more yeah the guy going back in the first on a pickoff attempt has a better chance of being safe and when i know some people say well, it's only four inches well four inches in baseball is a lot mm-hmm. It's a whole lot. I really just think the dynamics of the game are going to change on the infield in every sense of the word uh, because of beating out an infield hit, throwing over the first, stealing a base. You know, that's four inches closer, further away from the bag you have to play now if you're a defender on the corners. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into this, and I'm anxious to see how it's implemented. I just really feel like there's a lot of learning that's going to take place. And as you mentioned, plugging in a different algorithm, I don't think that they won't be doing that on the fly during the course of the year, where when they put their game plan strategy together, uh, they may have a different idea in June than they did in April. Just to give the exact number, so nothing's changing with home plate First, second, and third will all go from the standard 15-inch base to the bigger 18-inch base. So the distance between home and first and uh, third to home will be reduced by three inches, while the distance reduced between first and second and second and third will be four and a half inches. And, Claves, just think about how often we see those plays on a, on, you know, say it's second base with a runner hand first slide and they're either safe or they're out by a, by a finger. That's that's the difference. So all of those plays that we have seen over the years, all of a sudden it's going to be a different result. Well, let me throw this one at you. What about the tag up? Guy yeah. trying to score from third yep. on a on a fly ball. I mean, think about how many bang bang plays we've had at the plate. You know, so uh, there's a lot of things that will go into this and while you you mentioned the distance may not sound like a lot but the reason why bang bang plays or bang bang plays is because maybe they were an inch or two off one way or the other. And so now we've reduced it by three. So I, I just say stay tuned. Yeah, I would agree. All right, Klabes, uh, I will be with you uh, in Jupiter next week when we're doing this show. Looking forward to it. Uh, I, as I reported earlier, the flag, the uh, flag poles or the uh, foul poles have already been painted, so you don't have to worry about doing that in your first year down here. That's good. I'm glad somebody took care of that. I, 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 look, I looked out for you. Appreciate don't worry that. about it. That's we'll my, have other things for you to do. Fair I, I, I certainly plan on it. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network.